You are listening to the podcast from Mosaic Church. Stay tuned after it for more info about how to get and stay connected with our church family. Now, let's dive into this week's message. Hi, everybody. So glad you're here today. Welcome, whether you are a first-time guest or a long-time attendee or member or you are joining us right now online. Thank you for being here. You could not have picked a better Sunday to be here. And if you're seeing me on a screen right now, that's okay. That's actually a good thing because as you've heard, today is the launch of our South Campus, Mosaic South in South Austin. And so it felt right and it felt important for me to be there with Mosaic South on this special day. So that's where I am for the Mosaic North 11 and 12.30 service. But as you can see right now, I'm here with our 9 a.m. service. So thank you all for being here. I'll be back in person here for all three next week. And like I said, if you are here, no matter online or in person, again, you could not have picked a better Sunday to be here, and here's why. Mosaic Church, my two favorite Sundays of the year are Easter for obvious reasons, and today, the first Sunday in November, for some not-so-obvious reasons, and today is a day every year where we do something really special, really when we kick off a whole wave and season of generosity in our community and towards our community, and we call today, this day, Live Big Sunday, and we've done this for many years now, and it's so special, and if you're a guest and you've never been here for this before, just hang in there and hang on. We'll show you why it's a special day before we are through. One more thing before we really get going. Today we're kind of starting a series within a series for the month of November focused on Jesus' teachings around the topic and the subject of money. And there are a few key reasons why we're doing this. Number one, we're moving through the book of Luke. (laughs) In the book of Luke, more than any other gospel narrative and writer, Luke includes more conversations about money from the lips of Jesus than any other book and writer in the New Testament. So you should have seen it coming. (laughs) It's unavoidable. And number two, you should know outside of one message I did back earlier this year, it's been literally three years since we've talked about money in this church. And that's not good because number three, Jesus Christ himself talked on money quite a bit. I think like 11 out of his 39 parables had to do with money. So, you know, if you were a person in that first century and you came up to Jesus and you wanted him to talk to you about your life, the odds are pretty good. He was gonna talk to you about your financial life. And so with all that in mind today, let's, Morgan, you're saying, are you telling me I hit the, like the spiritual jackpot today? I don't know. I'll let you be the judge of that before we're done, of course. But with all that in mind, are you ready? Yeah, all right. Let's get into our message. The passage today is going to be from Luke chapter 12, verses 13 through 21. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said to them, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy. Eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, 
you fool. This very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. And that's the reading of God's word. All his people said, amen, amen. Yeah, at this point in Luke's gospel, we see that Jesus' ministry has been gathering momentum and so much so that now here in chapter 12, back in verse one, we didn't read it here, but back in verse one, it says that now a crowd of thousands have gathered around Jesus. And with a crowd of thousands gathered, Jesus Christ begins to speak to his disciples while the crowd of thousands listened in. He knew the crowd would be listening in, but he spoke primarily things aimed at his disciples first. And so to be true to the passage, let's just pause here and say that if you're new today and you're not necessarily a Jesus follower, you haven't made up your mind about him or God or faith or church or even me or Mosaic or anything, that's okay. You're in the position that many of these people in this passage were in. And the good news, I think, is that Jesus has something to say to you as well as you listen in. And as Jesus here is teaching his disciples in front of this crowd of thousands, a man in the crowd speaks up. And this man is, shall we say, a little bit pushy with what he's got to say. He's a little bit rude, but hey, I get it. Maybe, maybe his Jesus Disney ride fast pass wasn't working. He couldn't get to the front in time to ask his question nicely. And he's feeling kind of like what you feel like when you're at ACL for hours. You're standing on your feet for hours in a field. And you know, after that, you can get a little bit thirsty and you can get a little bit grouchy, can't you? And so the man yells out, teacher, because Jesus has been teaching, Jesus, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Now this guy, is kind of like some of us maybe today, as in we're here listening somewhat to the words of Jesus thinking, wish my brother were here, <laughs> wish my neighbor were here, wish my boss or friend or sibling were here so Jesus could tell them something. But why was this man making this specific request? Well, most likely, probably, almost certainly, he is asking this because he is a younger brother in a family where the father in the family has died. And the older brother, because of the cultural practice of primogeniture, has now been given possession of the inheritance. And now he's refusing to give out the inheritance, the portions that the younger siblings were de deserve and do. This is sort of like this ancient version of the movie Knives Out, if you've seen it. The patriarch passes and the kids are fighting over all the money. So this man was making this request because money and specifically greed were tearing apart his family. And he's coming to Jesus because Jesus seemed to have authority. Jesus seemed to know a lot. Jesus seemed to be able to command a crowd of thousands. And so who better to tell his brother what to do with the money? But how does Jesus respond? Oh, it's kind of strange at first. Verse 14, Jesus replied, man, <laughs> who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Now, what's this? Because at some level, we should acknowledge this sounds crazy or at least a little bit contradictory because all over the gospels, Jesus calls himself what? A judge. <laughs> at the end of Matthew's gospel, for example, chapter 25, Jesus says, in the day of judgment, I'm going to sit on a throne as a judge and judge every single human life. 
And even a few verses later here in Luke, he says that he, he came actually to set the world on fire and divide families at some level. He says that sometimes mothers and daughters, sometimes sons and fathers will be divided because of him. Now, that may not happen as often or as obviously here in the United States, but hey, halfway around the world in the Middle East, when a person comes to Jesus, that is exactly and specifically what happens. Faith in Jesus and following Jesus absolutely sometimes divides families. And so if Jesus Christ will judge every human life, and if he said he would divide families at some level, why would he say this? Why would he say, who appointed me as a judge, and then the word is literally in the Greek, as a divider between you two? I think Jesus is doing something rather profound here. And it's this, he's asking, why would you ask me to come into your financial life if you haven't asked me to come into the rest of your life first? Why do you want me to have authority over your brother if you haven't given me authority over you? Why are you asking me to get involved with your money when you haven't asked me to get involved with the rest of your life? Remind me, who appointed me over your money life? It wasn't you because, you know, I'm not involved with the rest of your life. And Jesus' question here pushes us all to ask, do we really want Jesus in our lives? Or like this man, do we just want to use God to get rich? And then Jesus says this, watch out, be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Now, who is Jesus saying this to? To the brother with a lot or to the brother with the little? The older brother with money or to the younger brother without money? Well, the answer is both, both. Luke tells us that Jesus said what he said here to them all, to everyone. Now, we should acknowledge this does seem to be a little bit unfair towards that younger brother unless we actually believe what Jesus says here, which is that greed is the sin that no one sees coming. Greed can be at work with those with more And it could be at work with those with less. Greed is the sin at work in silence, in darkness, in the shadows. And because this man has, let's be honest, kind of foolishly poked his hand up and even more foolishly tried to bait Jesus to get his own way. Now Jesus, because he loves this man, because Jesus loves you, because Jesus loves people because he loves the world and yes again this man Jesus is going to respond to him and try to help this man in the deepest part of his soul so Jesus Christ says this to him and to everyone watch out for greed now this is also we should acknowledge again fascinating why would Jesus say watch out specifically for greed because you'll notice by contrast Jesus never said watch out for adultery He doesn't do it. Be on your guard against adultery. Well, why not? Well, it's because of this. It's because you tend to know when you're committing adultery. You never look up and say, how did I get in bed with you? Like, how did this, what a shock and surprise. No. Jesus says, watch out because greed is the sin that you never see coming. You've got to guard yourself against, wait, wait, 
How many kinds of greed did he say there were? All kinds, as in plural. There are kinds of greed when you have a lot of money like the older brother, and there are kinds of greed when you have less money like this younger brother. Greed can be at work when you're at the top, and greed can be at work when you're at the bottom. Greed can ruin any life, any destiny, any family, and it's ruining this family right here. And greed does its best work, its best work, slash worst work, when we forget this crucial, beautiful, and central truth that Jesus spoke to us all, which was this, that our lives do not consist in the abundance of our possessions. And this word in the Greek, you should know, is the word zoe, like what people name their kids now. And good for them, it's a great word, and it's a great name, but it's really a Bible word, and it's a word that means a quality of life, a beautiful life, a rich life. And Jesus says that the quality, hear me, of your life today, that verb means exist. The quality of your life, the richness of your life, he's making a play on words, the richness of your life does not exist within the riches of money. The quality of your life does not exist in having an abundance of possessions. Oh, but we forget this. The stuff, he's saying, real life is made of is not made of stuff. Now, these brothers, maybe this family, have reminded me as I was studying this, maybe they remind you of all the particularly American lottery winners. <laughs> Maybe you've heard about this and certainly you can look it up. Countless lottery winners have said that winning the lottery, that is coming into this huge, overnight, unexpected windfall of money was the worst thing that ever happened to them. You're like, that's crazy. Like, I know it's crazy, but think of this. There's actually an article in Time Magazine 2016 and here's the title of it. You ready? Title of the article is this. Here's how winning the lottery makes you miserable. Here's how winning the lottery makes you miserable. And it said this, if you win the 1.5 billion Powerball jackpot, you may not be as lucky as you may think. Many winners befall the so-called curse of a lottery with some squandering their fortunes and others meeting tragic ends. Quote, so many of them wind up unhappy or wind up broke. People have had terrible things happen, said Don McNay, 56, a financial consultant to lottery winners and the author of Life Lessons from the Lottery. So people commit suicide. People run through their money. They go through divorce or people die. It's the curse of the lottery because it made their lives worse instead of improving them. Article goes on to say a guy by the name of Jack Whitaker won a $315 million jackpot in a lottery in West Virginia in 2002. The then 55-year-old West Virginia construction company president claimed he went broke about four years later and lost a daughter and granddaughter to drug overdoses, which he blamed on the curse of the Powerball win, according to ABC News. And he said this, my granddaughter is dead because of the money, he told ABC. You know, my wife had said she wished that she had torn the ticket up well, I wish that we had torn the ticket up too. Whitaker was also robbed of $545,000 sitting in his car eight months after winning the lottery. He said this, I just don't like Jack Whitaker. I don't like the hard heart I've got, he said. I don't like what I've become. Watch out, Jesus would have said. Be on your guard, Jack Whitaker. Morgan Stevens, Mosaic Church to us all. Now, at this point, again, I know what you're saying. I know what you're thinking because I'm thinking it. I'm saying it. 
If I had won that $1.5 billion, or at least a measly, paltry $315 million, no way would that be me. What you're thinking. And maybe, maybe not. I hope not. But if you're saying that again, that only goes to prove what Jesus said, which is that we forget that greed is sneaky. It's sneaky, all kinds of greed, whether you're on the top with a Powerball ticket or you're at the bottom and most kinds of greed you never see coming. We forget that the quality of our lives does not consist in the abundance of our possessions. So how can we remember that that is true? We can remember because Jesus told them a parable and Jesus gives us a way. Verse 16, and he told them this parable, the ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. Now you'll notice what Jesus said here, that the man did not earn it, he did not win it in a lottery contest, but the ground yielded it. The ground gave it, but what did this man call what he had been given? He called it not God's, not a gift, but he called it mine. Verse 17, he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I'll tear down my barns and build bigger ones, and there I'll store my surplus grain. What's he doing? Well, this man is doing that crazy thing that only rich people do when they have surplus, when they call it extra. It's a phenomenon known only to rich people back then. It never happens today. It's something called upgrading. <laughs> this man upgraded his barns. I know you've only heard about someone else upgrading, what upgrading is. So I'm going to describe it to you, and you're not even going to know what I'm talking about, okay? But just try to connect and hang in there with me. Sometimes, sometimes today, for example, <laughs> these super rich people go in, even though they hate lines, because rich people hate lines, they always complain about lines because they want everything right now. But rich people today will go to a mall somewhere and stand in line at this place called the Apple Store. Perhaps you've heard of this. And they'll pull out their iPhone that works and give their iPhone that works while they're sending a message to their friends that they're so excited to stand in line, by the way, even though they hate lines. And they're going to give their money that works, their phone that works, and some money to the Apple Store so they can get another phone that works. Who are these people? And then they give their old phone that works to their kids. Who are their kids going to call? I don't know, but the seven-year-old's got a phone. He can text Doc McStuffins or Paw Patrol friends or whatever. But these kids, these rich people, that is, rich people get excited sometimes when their phone breaks so they can get a new phone because they've got insurance on their phone. I mean, who has the money to have insurance on a phone or an appliance? Who knows what these people, they're upgrading. I know it's totally weird. You've never, ever heard of this. And the man goes on, verse 19, and I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, you fool, this very night, your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you've prepared for yourself? This is how it will be. So how will it be? It'll be over in a moment. How will it be? Total regret. How will it be? All gone with nothing to show for it. Jesus says, this is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. 
Now, let me say this, because you're all feeling it, I know. The Bible never condemns wealth. It's a good thing. It never condemns wealthy people for being wealthy, and for sure that is not my heart today. If I do that, if someone did that, that would miss the clear blessing that the God of the Bible brings upon people in the Bible like Abraham, Job, David, Solomon, many others, and I hope you. And you'll notice Jesus here, he doesn't condemn this man for having money, doesn't condemn him for even prospering financially, for having stuff or saving. No, this man is not condemned for being rich. He's being condemned for being bad at being rich. And there's a difference. He's being condemned because he was not rich toward God. He had forgotten that the quality of his life did not consist in the abundance of possessions. We forget that the quality of our lives, the richness of our life does not consist in the abundance of our possessions. So how can we remember We can remember today, friends, church, guests, by doing simply what Jesus said. We can remember by actually being rich towards God. Rich means generous towards God. We become rich towards God and give. Why? We give. Come on. Because love gives. We give because God so loved the world that he gave. He gave us Jesus who himself gave up everything to make us rich wealthy in the gospel. See, God was rich towards us, so now we can be rich toward him and others. And when we do that, we get rescued bit by bit from greed. And we remember, we remember, come on, we remember that the best things in our lives don't have anything to do with how much stuff that we have. How can we do that? How can we remember? Here's one way right here, right now, today. What if What if, what if one time a year we could collectively as a local church, what if we could collectively pool our resources and give in a way that impacted an organization in our community in an unforgettable way? What if we gave to something outside our church, outside the scope of our local church, something we're not even connected to so generously that it maybe even changed the course of that ministry or nonprofit or organization? What if we could raise so much money for something else that over time, maybe we did better than our blessed federal government. (laughs) And one day we maybe even created jobs for people who work in nonprofits. What if we lived big for one day and just gave it away? Wouldn't that be amazing? Your answer is yes. Wouldn't that be fun? Your answer is yes. Wouldn't that feel good? Your answer is yes. Wouldn't that put hope in your heart? God's doing something through us in the city. Your answer is yes. And so today I want to do just that. Today I want us to raise, here's our goal today, at least $48,000. $48,000 is our goal today for an organization called The Source. I want to tell you about the source is a full service women's health clinic here in Austin that helps at risk women make better choices, specifically when it comes to family planning. They offer free healthcare screenings, well checks for women, free STD testing, free counseling services, and if and when a mother a woman becomes a mother, offer material assistance for years for the mother and for the baby. And here's their mission statement. It says this, our vision is that every woman in Texas has access to comprehensive, life-affirming, reproductive health and pregnancy care. We are compelled by the love of Jesus Christ to love our neighbors by providing excellent, accessible health care. The source joyfully serves clients regardless of age, race, religion, creed, immigration status, or sexual orientation. Now, many of you know that any conversation about this has been a battleground. 
And many of you and many of us would call ourselves for life and pro-life. And you know what? That's great. But the decisions that have been made in our country now call us as a people of God to put our literal money where our figurative mouth is and care for women who are being faced with being moms in tough spots. All right. The material assistance, the healthcare assistance, the emotional counseling assistance the source provides gets right in the messy middle of all the complications and cares for women in a holistic way for years, pre- and postnatal, when they're just given the opportunity to do so. They're local ministry, nonprofit. They're led by a woman of color. They're doing great work. I'm not asking you to vet them. We've done that for you. And today is our chance. Today's our chance to care for the least of these and be the kind of people that we have said that we are and that we want to be. And I want to tell you, no matter how you vote, no matter where you stand, this is an organization you can get behind when it comes to caring for vulnerable women and children in this city. And that we can't do everything that we want to for an organization like this. We can give them a day they won't forget and make a permanent difference in the lives of a lot of people who are in crisis. And honestly, if there's one reason that I hope God grows this church, and I'm grateful that God has expanded us now to Fort Worth and down south, if there were one reason why I'm grateful for all of this, it's that we can grow so big and so that we can give so much away and show our city that Jesus is the light of the world and that his church cares and makes the city a better place when his church is there. So here's what I'm asking you, you, you to do. Some of you are looking sideways. No, it's you, sir. <laughs> kind ma'am. Both in the room and online. Yeah, online. With kids and youth, uh, excuse me, we have about 1,200-ish or so adults here at Mosaic, both in the room and online. Kind of hard to tell these days. That's our best guess. With kids and youth overall, we're around 1,500 folks as a church. But if every adult and teenager with a job <laughs> gave... This amount, you'll be glad to hear this, by the way, despite the record inflation price, inflation in the United States today, the price to get involved has not gone up. Some things have stayed the same. If everyone gave just $39.95, $39.95, we could raise $48,000 in one day. Let me give you some more history. This is actually the 10th year we've done Live Big. Nine years ago, we asked for $10,000. That's where we started. We raised fifteen. dollars then eight years ago, we asked for 15. We raised 18. Seven years ago, we asked for 20. Got 25. Six years ago, we asked for 25. We received 30,000. Five years ago, asked for 30. Raised 40. And four years ago, we asked for 35 and received, can you believe it, $65,000 that year. Three years ago, we asked for 40. Received just over 65K again. And in 2020, right in the middle of a COVID pandemic, we didn't know where anybody was. We still did this and asked for 45,000 and received $62,000 in 2020. And last year, we asked for $45,000 and raised, wait for it, wait for it, $85,000 last year. Yeah. And over the years, through Live Big, we have given away more than $400,000 in our community to pregnancy centers, to foster care, disaster relief, people coming out of jail who need help, to immigrants, for educators. And each year, we have just raised more and more and more and blown people away because they don't know it's coming. So don't post anything. Don't tell anybody. Just let, just let us surprise them. We just ask them. Via phone call, if we can swing by, because we've got a little gift for them. All right, now some of you today may only, uh, some of you can give more, and that's great. You can and you should, and you would. Some of you can only give a little less, and that's okay. There's no guilt here. I know that if you could, that you would. 
Maybe in the past for this that you have. Maybe in the future you will. But what I'm asking you to do today is just something. Today, everybody does something. Everybody puts on that uniform. Everybody gets in the game. And here's what I'm not asking you to do. I'm not asking you to go home today and pray about it. There's actually, there's no praying here, okay? That's how Christians wiggle out of stuff. I'm just asking you to consider right here, right now, giving at least $39.95 a person towards this. If you're here today, but your spouse isn't, go ahead and give for their spouse. They'll thank you. If you're here today and you're single and you're believing for your spouse, go ahead and give for your future spouse in Jesus' name. So, a seed of faith. A seat of faith for them. They'll thank you for it. You think, Morgan, am I taking a financial peace class? WWDRT. What would Dave Ramsey think? I just spoke with Dave on the way in today. We texted. He's all good with this. So today, you can give in a number of ways. First of all, you can give via text message, not later, but today, right now, any amount to live text, any amount to live big to 84321. Any amount and live big to 84321. We'll also have a number of people with some card readers at tables in the lobby. This can go super fast. You just got to give your name, information, all that. Even if you got your kids with you from MKids, that's cool. The person behind you in line will volunteer to watch your kids for you. That's how amazing the people in this church are. Of course, you can also give via app and website. App and website, if you're familiar with those. And of course, cash and checks. We have giving boxes on either side of the room. So that's what I'd like to ask you to do today. Even if you are a guest, you're a first-time person, you walked in today, even if you're someone's friend, even if you're not a Christian, even if you're just in town or you're someone's family member from wherever, even if you're just watching online today for the very first time, because when you give, not if, but when, you're not giving to Mosaic, you're giving through Mosaic. And for those of you who you walked in, you heard a deal is about money and you got suspicious, And you think, man, the church just wants my money. Today, all your worst fears have been confirmed because today we do. Today we do want as much money as we can possibly get to give together to make a collective impact on a part of our city that is underfunded. And next year, of course, Lord willing, want to do it again and the next year do it again. And for us to be known, here's my heart, not just for our theology, which we take very, very seriously, but for our generosity, for our generosity. I don't want it just to be known for what we're against. Everybody's got to be against stuff, but also what we're for. And here's our promise. As always, not one penny of this stays here. There's no shipping and handling. There's no administrative fee. There's no resort fee. You know, no like, you know, cold ice tax or whatever they're giving you at hotels now, okay? This goes just straight to them so that the church can be the church and it can be what it says it wants to be. You say, Morgan, I already gave. Cool. You can give again. You say, but there are other needs out there. I know. That's cool. There are. You say, Morgan, I run a nonprofit. I know. I run a nonprofit too. And there's a whole bunch of stuff and a bunch of needs that I think we could use this money for, but that's not what this is gonna go for. You say, Morgan, I already volunteered today. That was like my time offering. That's cool. This is a financial offering. They're different, okay? This is about living out being rich towards God. You say, Morgan, I'll catch the next one. Well, again, first of all, there might not be a next one. So you know what I'm talking about. Christians, sometimes they get real weird about, you know, end time stuff. Okay, that's you. There might not be a next one. All right? 
Second of all, this is the one that you said you were going to catch when there was going to be a next time. This is the next one, okay? This is your moment to do something great, be someone great. So today, we are going to live big. We're going to live big because when you live big, you can just give money away. And when someone asks you what happened in church today, you say, I don't know, we live big. We live big. At this church, we all gave small and it added up to something really big. Think, come on, think of the good that we can do, of what our church can be known for in this city, a church that doesn't give expecting to get something in return, but just wants to give it away. So I can't even tell you how excited I am about this. It's going to be great. Can't wait to come back next week and tell you what we did together. So here is how we're going to end today. You ready? Would you all stand on your feet, whether you're at home or online? Again, we're not going to pray to dismiss. I'm going to say just a couple of words, as in two words, as in you're dismissed. And then you're going to go and give. And we're going to live big on your phone, in the lobby, online, wherever you're going to do it. Y'all ready? Can we do this? Yes, we can. God bless you. Love you, Mosaic Church. You are dismissed. Let's go do this. Thanks for listening. For more info about how to get and stay connected to Mosaic Church, please visit us online at www.mosaicchurchaustin.com or download our app from your app store.